eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So you're listening to Spits and Suds. This is our final edition of 2022. Excited to... uh, Bring you some great episodes in 2023. We do want to get to the World Juniors because Sean's been all over that. The U.S. with a uh, a big win. But, Sean, there's some guys that you wanted to highlight that the uh, stars, um, well, that are in the stars organization, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, the one, the, the big one for me, everyone is, there's been a lot of hoopla about Logan Stankoven with, with, and he's playing for Canada, and he's he's going to be a big part of the stars' future. Um, and, but the one is, to me, watching, it's been really fun to watch uh, Leon Bischel play in this tournament for Switzerland. And he's been, you talk about, we were talking about Carlson. He's not having like, not point totals like Carlson's having for San Jose right now. But you talk about a guy who's being dominant for a team, dominating games, controlling games, and playing for country, honestly, that is playing for in a little bit of overmatched tournament i mean the swiss they do they always do a good job they stick to their systems they they always they're always good for an upset or two in these major tournaments but at the end of the day the reality is they don't have the depth of talent that some of the that the that the canadians and the americans and the swedes do and everything like that so bischel has to play a larger role and it's been fun to kind of see him take that larger role with this under 20 team and think about what he could do. It's just, it, it adds to the future depth with Dallas. It adds to, you look at another reliable piece on the blue line, kind of where you're going with this. And, 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 and on top of it, like his tournament to me was always going to be more interesting than Stankoven's because Stankoven is playing on a team that has an absolutely ridiculous player in Connor Bedard that is, lighting up the lamp and is going is the the every whoever who people think could be a top people think Connor Bedard could be a top three player in the world within three years like it's when Stakehoven's on that team with that guy and it's hard to really judge his tournament because he looks bad at times yeah like like just because he looks bad compared to like well compared to his roster and his expectation and so Bischel's tournament to me is more fair of like, hey, this guy, this we can we can better judge his tournament. Stakehoven's tournament to me is going to be, you take it or leave it at the end of the day. If he has a great tournament, you're happy. But if he's a great tournament, you're happy. 
but if he has a poor tournament or doesn't or kind of has the tournament he's having and everything like that you're like oh it's it's okay that's it doesn't really change it's a short tournament but Bischel to me playing for a lesser lesser team from a typical hockey talent perspective playing a larger role as that defenseman he's been get excited about him because he's going to be part of that as you as you build and you start figuring and you start thinking like okay what's the space when you build this future blue line who's going to be that young guy as who's going to be that young guy that follows as as the the Miros and the Lindells of the world start getting into their later twenties and stuff like that. But Bischel's going to be the guy that steps into that spot. And I think we're starting to see that already. And what I love about the world juniors is, I mean, granted it gives these kids a great spotlight, but it also, I think shows them against worthy competition and not that when they're in their junior leagues, that's not the case, but I mean, you're going up against the best of the best. I remember seeing Dennis Gurionov, uh, play for Team Russia, and one thing I love was his breakout speed, especially you know uh, down the wing and his power. And I said, "Wow!" I said, "This, I, th- I think this kid has a shot." So you know, I like seeing, um, I-, I like seeing those things. So uh, you know, one of the things that in the last juniors that uh, I thought Thomas Harley kind of struggled, and I thought to myself, "Okay, I think you know he needs a little bit more seasoning," which he's getting currently in Texas. So I, I think. To see the players within your organization play at this elite level, I think, gives us a chance to really see where they're at. Yeah, it's the peer group. I mean, you can't, you can't overly, you can't put too, too much into a smaller sample size, obviously, but it does give you the... And I, I actually, honestly, I, I really should pause real quick and be much kinder to Stankoven. Stankoven is actually has, he has seven points, but he's playing on a team with a guy that's got 14 in three games. So like Stankoven's been good, but it's just, <laughs> it, it, but you're like, but it's like, oh, wow. Like you're watching Connor Bedard all the time. Like I, I, I should have like, no, like Stankoven's been good. And that's, it's, but it's just, it, it's what Bedard's doing is insane right now. But to get where I'm going on this, uh, Small tournament sample size. Remember that. Use that as your asterisk. But also know that this you take away a lot of the other outside noise that when it that makes it difficult sometimes with prospect evaluation, where hey, it's a 19-year-old kid playing against 25-year-olds in Sweden, or it's a you're he's a college guy who's a 20-year-old college guy playing against 22 and 23-year-olds, or he's a He's a junior guy who's not getting a role because like it it kind of it's a nice uh reality check that can be to kind of give an idea. It's like, okay, these are the people he should be judged against. And it reminds you of that and it lets you re- recalibrate some expectations, which is always healthy. And Connor Bedard is gonna be the talk as we get closer and closer to um the draft. And of course, there is the draft lottery. So, you know, tanking really is is not a factor because you might not get the player. Um, however, with the young talent that the Anaheim Ducks have, if they added Connor Bedard, wow, that would be. Uh, I mean, honestly, Bedard and Seegers would be would be a lot of fun. sick, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean, any any team that gets Bedard is going to be. <laughs> if, I mean, that's what that gets. Yeah, that's what's so cool, Sean. Is is that you know every I uh, you know. I don't know, every four or five years you start hearing this name, and I remember hearing Connor McDavid's name and, 
and getting mm-hmm. back to, I mean, I remember Sidney Crosby and, you know, these kids be the, the, the can't miss and, and, you know, you got it, you got to see them. I mean, even, you know, people that haven't panned out like the hype, I mean, Nika Hersher for, um, for New Jersey's had a great season too. So, um, I mean, he's, he's, he's the captain in New Jersey. Yeah. He's a good player. Like, like yeah. he's, I mean, like you, you look, you look across the, like you look at the bottom, like I just pulled up the standings, like there's, you look at the kind of, you look at the state of the league right now and you look at like teams 32 through 26 in the standings. Like right now, the one where just from a personal perspective, just cause you're like, I don't, I, I've seen enough of them in outdoor games and I don't like Chicago's 32nd right now. And you're like, I, I really don't want Chicago to win it. I don't want Chicago to win yeah. the guard lottery. Like I, I, that's, that's one, but you start going through the other ones. Like, I'd love to see Bedard and Johnny Goudreau and Patrick Laine. I'd love Oof. to see that. Like, like yes. that would be great. Like we talked about the Ducks, uh, San Jose. Like I know they're in part of that rebuild, but you put like, you put kind of, you get late career Carlson with Bedard and all of a sudden you're looking at building a team and our old friend, former stars PR head, Tom Holy as an assistant GM in San Jose. It's becomes a lot easier to start it's a lot easier to start yeah. selling free agents on San Jose when you got that. Um, uh, yeah, I mean if you want to look like, if you want to make new GM Mike Greer look like a genius. Yeah. <laughs> That's the yeah. way to do it by drafting Connor Bedard. Yeah, I, it's and then like there's there's a couple where you're like you see like Philly's going to have a shot yeah. and you're like I don't like that's one where it's like I don't want the like I, I want Bedard's I want Bedard to play right, right. away. I think like, they'll I be. Go, I, I think they'll be too good, Sean. But one team that I would just love because it would completely change. Well, actually, two franchises. I hate to see it because they're in the division, but Arizona would be terrific. And the other one, I mean, you talk about a team for sale. If if the sale wasn't completed before Ottawa, but I think Ottawa is going to be too good. So yeah, I think the percentage gonna, uh, is going to be low because they're they're streaking the, the, right now. The odds are going to be tough, but right now, I mean, Ottawa's like, I'm looking at the standee right now. Ottawa's got, I think, I mean, Ottawa only has four more points than Arizona. Now, Arizona, I think, is on a little bit of a um, fake heater right now, I'll call it. They're getting, <laughs> they're, get, they're getting, they're getting some really good, they're getting some strong performances out of Vegmelka and everything yeah. like that. And I think it's a little bit of a, of a paper tiger right there on that. Um, <laughs> Tough but, barn to play in, man. They're playing well at home. Yeah, they are playing well at home. It's uh, obviously, I think from a league perspective, like you're looking at, hey, let's let's grow this sport. Let's grow this game. Like you'd like, to, like I would like to, I know people will, dis- I know some people will disagree with me. Like I'd love to see them. In like a Columbus and Anaheim, a San Jose, even in Arizona, even I mean, even I mean, it would be rough to, if you're Dallas because you won't, you'd have to see them all the time. But even in Nashville, like I, I would love to see kind of that type of player, um, go to a market like that and just let us like continue to like pump the game up and everything like that. Because how often do right. Like it's, it would be, it, it would, I think it would be good for those markets. Um, yeah, it would be good. It would be good for the game. And, um, I, I, I would love to see how it'll be interesting to see how the draft lottery completely switches the, the mentality for one team. Cause one team's going to win the draft lottery. 
and let's say it was the Ducks or say it was the Blue Jackets or whatever, they're going to win the draft lottery. And by doing so, all of a sudden, they will flip from rebuild to, okay, now we're contending. Like they're like they're yeah. contending for a playoff spot right away. Like we're going to be, you're going to be, you're adding that piece and you're going to have three years of an entry level contract where you're like, okay, Hey, we're going to have to pay this kid major, major money in three years. Yeah. So until then, that's where you start going. Like that's where you start going around you to those, those veteran free agents were like, Hey, we got a nice spot for you for two and a half for, for, for three seasons. Like that's, that's where you start finding that spot right where you start you start building and all of a sudden you like, okay, you can turn a team. Like, I don't right. Right now. My, my, my vote would be Hannah. I'm just because I'd love to, I'd love to watch kind of, I'd like to see some of the pieces they have there with Bedard. Um, and uh, I'd, I'd like to kind of see, see, see that. I'd like to see that from just a pure entertainment perspective, but I think anywhere, I mean, that kid's going to be must watch TV every night. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, I mean, just the scenarios you look at, you know, possible new arena in Arizona because you get a star. Ottawa sale, you get a star. And also, if it goes to Anaheim, the LA Kings have a lot of young players that are really good. And and that's one of the stories a lot of people aren't talking about this year is the the development of the LA Kings and and how well they're doing this year. And if he goes to Anaheim, the, the the youth of L.A. and the youth of Anaheim, I think that's a nice little rivalry around L.A. as well. It's, you know, so it, it's it's going to be fun to watch. So final question of 2022 I have for you, Sean, since we're talking NHL, is we talked about the Bruins earlier and the success and, you know, atop the NHL and look dominant. I, I was watching their games and, and just – you know their their continuous cycle, their their offensive prowess, their really good goaltending with Allmark. In the games you've watched, have you seen any of the style of Jim Montgomery from his days with the Stars translate? Because I'm fascinated. Because to me, they dropped one of the better coaches in the NHL, and Bruce Cassidy, who's having success in Vegas, and picked up Jim Montgomery. And all of a sudden, like, Montgomery looks like, you know, I mean, he was a really good coach for the Stars, but, I mean, like, this Bruins team is just hitting on all cylinders, and people completely forget that prior to the season, everyone wanted GM Don Sweeney gone. They had the controversy with, um, you know, signing the kids. So there was a lot of, like, news with the Bruins and, like, internally, and I think Montgomery's done an amazing job for them. I mean, he's, he's done a good job. Now his third line left wing is Taylor Hall. Like that's that, like, yeah. let's be like, let's, let's, I'm not taking anything away from Jim Montgomery on that, but just to be, to be fair, how deep that team, that team is, that team is deep. And the, the, the beating down of fire, the GM and all of this stuff is built a lot on kind of the expectation and the veracity, the, 
ugh, sorry, the the anger, the, some of the anger that can grow within the media market there. So yeah, part of that is um, I I think we see like we've talked before where um, I know the Devils have come to down to earth quite a bit now, um, but we talked earlier in this season about how you saw Lindy Ruff kind of learn some of his lessons from his time in Dallas and applied it to the Devils and and everything like that, and I think something there's a similar theme with Montgomery and Boston obviously there's a um much larger personal lesson I'm sure that Jim Montgomery has applied with how his time ended in Dallas um but Montgomery also um one of the things that Montgomery admitted during his time in St. Louis um and now they didn't make him available to the media very often the Blues aren't one of the teams that make assistant coaches available to the media but one of the things that Montgomery admitted was he um he talked about how that 2019 playoff series against the stars where they lost in game seven and frankly um we're sorry where the where the where the stars lost to the blues in game seven and frankly game wasn't as close but ben bishop made the game closer yeah he did and it should then it should have been um jim montgomery kind of admitted after he was in st louis about how he was kind of in a coaching way, he was kind of bullied in that series. He was, he was out coached and he admitted he was out coached in that series. And I think Jim Montgomery's NHL game management has gotten better. I don't think his systems and stylings or anything that have changed. I think he basically kind of took a lot of what Bruce Cassidy did, had a veteran team and said, okay, guys, we're going to keep doing what's working and just kind of let the players be the players. And I think Montgomery's strength is he's become a better game manager. You see how he manages lines. You see how he manages matchups. You see how he manages things like that. Um, you see how and when he knows to uh, how and when he knows to apply the pressure and not apply the pressure. And the other thing that's just like they've only lost four games in regulation. It's hard to see. It's hard to get a true feeling for what a coach does until you lose a couple games. That's just that's just a reality of it. Like, like what is he gonna do? How is he gonna handle them when he when they go through rough times? Because one of the Jim Montgomery's traits in Dallas was when things weren't going well, he went through, he went, he went to a little bit of the the public shame, the overly honest. I'm going to call guys out model. Um, you remember before the whole Jim lights, Jamie Ben, Tyler Sagan fiasco two, two days before that, he had a very loud, yep. loud uh, incident at morning skate where he was saying like, we're embarrassing and everything like that. He would talk about how he couldn't get over. He couldn't stop. He couldn't, he was struggling to reverse the stars culture of mediocrity. That was his quote. And the Bruins already had a good player culture. They already did. So he didn't have to change a culture. And I and the the pitfalls Montgomery had as a coach in Dallas, he hasn't had to face those pitfalls in Boston yet. So I'm curious to see what happens. What happened? I mean, and maybe it won't. Maybe it's one of the best teams in initial history and it, it never happens. But <laughs> like, but like what what happens when the Bruins lose three in a row? where what how does montgomery handle it then that will be very interesting to say to me of whether jim montgomery is the same type of motivator as a coach that he was in dallas as he is in boston just because when everything's going this well Mm -hmm. like it's hard like you lose a game all right we lost we're gonna win the next seven like yeah that's 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 easy like yeah i'm so it's 
Now I get it, and you have you know when you have Patrice Bergeron who looks like he's still twenty six on the ice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, he probably could play another three years. I mean, that's how good he looks this year. Uh, Marchant, Marchant. Uh, I think you know the one guy that I really like on that team. I mean, we're going deep dive right now. Um, you know, a lot of people were disappointed in Charlie Coyle, and he's had a nice resurgence, which is good because he's a hometown kid up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is. He's yeah. my my one issue with uh, <laughs> with Charlie Coyle, and this goes back to his time. At least he's wearing a. Uh, at least he's wearing number thirteen in Boston. But I always. Charlie Coyle would always wear a. I think it was number five or number three. I can't remember, but he would always. Uh, he wore a number that made him look like a defenseman. And so whenever I watched him play for the <laughs> Wild, I would be like, "Why is? Yeah. Why did the defense? Why? Why? Why did? Why every single time do the Wild have a defenseman below the below the goal line? That's my only beef with Charlie Coyle." <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I love about Spitz and Suds. I mean, we can go into a deep dive about the Stars Wild and everything, but hopefully, out there, you listening want a little taste of the NHL as well, because Sean's depth on hockey, I love picking his brain with questions about like Jim Montgomery with his takes on world juniors and how it affects the Dallas stars. Uh, So we try to give you everything here on spits and suds. So when you get a chance, uh, please spread the word, download spits and spuds, spits and suds. (laughs) That would be an interesting name. Spits and spuds too. But uh, as always, my friend, happy new year to you and your family. And uh, uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next week. Yeah. Next year. Yeah, weird, weird. But uh, look forward to uh, celebrating uh, New Year's with uh, Stars fans uh, with hopefully uh, two points against San Jose. So that's going to do it for uh, myself and for Sean. And thanks uh, for listening to Spits and Suds right here on 105.3 The Fan. Happy New Year, everyone.